want to take a moment to reflect on that and to say this. If you believe that, those words, that those words are not just statements that we just say, but these are statements we need to internalize. And you're going to need to do battle with those words. It's a choice whether this is going to impact your life. It means that when life hits, you're going to have to do battle with those words. It means that when condemnation comes, you're going to have to do battle with those words. It means that when you feel like giving up, you're going to have to do battle with those words. So I thank you for that song, that truth. I say good morning to you all today. Thank you, worship team. And Thank you for all who serve on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. It truly is an honor to be before you. A couple things I want to acknowledge this morning. I do want to acknowledge, I'm not sure if it was stated in the announcements, I do want to acknowledge the, the year in giving, over 134,000, which is beautiful. Uh, we thank God for that. I feel like it's beautiful just to see our church show up. Um, and you, you know, the needs of our church and the ministry that goes forth. And so uh, thank you all for your gifts. I also want to acknowledge Testimony Sunday, which was last week. And, and I just want to say that you should never minimize your testimony. Never minimize what God is doing, even in the little things. And I encourage us in this new year to look for those moments of where we can see God's hand at work. And it's important to also hear from each other what God is doing. And you never know um, what telling your story might mean for someone else. So I'm thankful. And I also want to give a special shout out to Bobby Joe Barclay for leading us last week and sharing um, and her own vulnerability and just sharing uh, what God has done in her life. And so I'm thankful for her and, and what God is doing in her. Um, and, and one final thing. Um, so, of course, it was mentioned tomorrow is MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, this is something that our country recognizes. And I just wanted to pause for a moment and play a brief clip. say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, 
We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Thank you for playing that clip. I want to note something about Dr. King. Many will think of him as an activist, but he was a Baptist minister, first and foremost. And uh, one thing that's powerful for me is that civil rights movement, that era, uh, was really built upon a Christian foundation. Uh, now, of course, there were people involved in the movement who were not Christians. However, the foundation was Christian. You're talking about the history of a people who have held on to the biblical truth, that there's a God in heaven who sees and has not forgotten us. And so even Dr. King, with all of his uh, many flaws, this was the truth that he held on to, that this wasn't just about changing of laws, but this was about a spiritual renewal. And I want to use this clip and, and to encourage us this morning as we talk about, and in our church we talk about justice and we care about things and racial, racial righteousness and so on. But I want to encourage us this morning to make sure that we are founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that, that can never be lost. It's not just about the laws, as, uh, doc, as I mentioned with Dr. King. It wasn't just about that, but it was about the truth of what God is doing in creation. And so as a church, that's our foundation, what Jesus did. I mean, we can talk about the sin of racism and white supremacy and all of that, but Jesus came to deal with sin. And, and I like to think of uh, all of these different ills that we can point out as just symptoms, but Jesus came to deal with the disease. And so keep that in mind as you celebrate or reflect on Dr. King and his legacy uh, tomorrow, however you may do it. Uh, for me, of course, it's not just tomorrow. And just for, uh, so folks know who uh, are new, uh, I'm not just preaching today because it's Dr. King uh, uh, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I preach uh, regularly at this church throughout the year, amen. So in case you were wondering. (laughs) 
Yeah, but this, this truth is so powerful for me, and I'm thankful for the history of my people, even though it was such turmoil and oppression, there's so much strength and joy and ingenuity and innovation, and so I'm thankful for that too, but, but most importantly, a people uh, who held on to the truth of Scripture, and so I stand in that today. And I will also reflect on this a little later uh, as it relates to our new sermon series. So uh, a reset, refresh, and refocus. So this is a six-week sermon series, and if you're new, we love to do series, and it's important to take a thought and just kind of rub it in for a while and let it marinate um, and reflect on it. And so this is where we're going for the next six weeks. So I will be warming up this series for three weeks. And so, uh, and, and with that, I'm going to be coming from the book of Philippians. Uh, that's where we're going to camp out for three weeks. And then the following three weeks will be all the other heavy hitters who will come um, and, and, and uh, be before you. So I'm thankful for this opportunity. And I pray that the Lord will... Uh, word my mouth and uh, open our ears together to hear uh, what God is saying. Reset, refresh, and refocus. So we're going to begin, and this is a larger passage, Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 26. And I will begin. Paul and Timothy, that's me, servants of Christ Jesus, <laughs> To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this thing that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the, in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, 
whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. This is the word of the Lord. Reset, refresh, and refocus. We've all used those terms at some point or another, and what I want to point out is those terms suggest a couple different things. For one, it seems to suggest, or they seem to suggest, that there's some sort of challenge or opposition of some kind to overcome. Right? And then the other side, they, they point to a sort of vision or a goal to strive for or a, a firm foundation to stand on. These words can indicate a change from one situation or posture and a call to another. Right? So I could be in a situation that, that I've left and moved on and there's a sort of reset. You know, we talk about that with new jobs and moving to new places and so on. There's a bit of a reset. There's a change from one thing to the next. But there, sometimes it, it can also be a posture and change in how we're viewing things. So it can mean a change in circumstances or, or a change in posture or a renewed posture toward a particular situation. So I use this language all the time. If you work with computers, I'm in web development, if I can get the words out. I'm in web development, and one of the things that I'm always thinking about is browser cache. You know, so for the work that I do, and as I make changes, sometimes those changes don't reflect because there's what we call browser cache, meaning the browser has restored an old memory of that page, and so it does not reflect the new changes, so I have to give it a hard refresh, a hard reset for those changes to be revealed. Or if you work in IT like Brother Nate here, or computer science like Dale in the back, we use these terms, especially with computers, you need a hard reset. But when we say that, there's a, there's a sense that there's some challenge there. Maybe the computer's not functioning quite properly, and so we need a hard reset. And in resetting, it takes it back to the foundation it needed to be operating from, right? There's a solid posture we're going back to or needing to shift to, a hard reset or a refresh, refocus. 
kind of like Dr. King's posture. He, he gets to the point of, you know, where he's talking about longevity. I'd love to live a long life. But his posture at that point is, I'm not concerned about that right now. So in his context, uh, the situation hasn't changed. The fight still continues. But what you hear from him is this renewed posture, mentality, that while the fight continues, I'm not so concerned about what happens to me now. And as he stated, I just want to do God's will. Reset, refresh, and refocus. This may not mean that we've gotten off track or off course. Sometimes it can. Sometimes there could be uh, things that are self-inflicted. It could be sins. It can be weights and uh, things that we need to let go of, wrong attitudes and perspectives that we need a refresh from, a turning from. It could be that. And in other instances, it could simply just be a renewal of a set position, right? I need to remind myself of what I'm doing here. You hear that in Dr. King's posture. It gets to the point where I just don't care what happens right now. My commitment remains the same. Reset, refresh, and refocus. So I would ask today that you have some patience with me because we're building this up over the next few weeks. And and, and so um, just flow with me for a moment. Right, so it it means reestablishing or refortifying an existing belief, uh, posture, practice. And so with that, I want to come back to the text that we read um, a little bit about this place. So uh, Philippi, which is a colony of Rome, located in the area called Macedonia at the time. This was a church that Paul planted, and this city was modeled after Rome. So it was actually built to be like a miniature Rome. And it's mixed, you know, culturally, religiously, and and so on. Uh, I'll talk about this later. You also have the imperial cult at the time. Uh, This is when, you know, people were viewing the emperor Caesar as a god, as divine, okay? This is also uh, in the setting, the environment there. And so Paul planted this church, and he's writing to them to encourage their faith. They have opponents, many of which are known as the Judaizers. I'll talk a little bit more about this, but these are people who are still preaching that in order to be saved. You've got to, Gentiles have to be circumcised. They have to keep the law of Moses. And so these were constant opponents of Paul and this church. You're dealing with competitive preachers. Paul always dealt with this too. There were always some who were questioning his right to be an apostle and his authority as an apostle. There were some, especially if you read the book of Corinthians, these factions of who's, who I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. And, you know, so Paul always dealt with this. There were cliques and factions who, you know, they had their issues with Paul. And, and he addresses this in this letter. This is a church that cares deeply for Paul, and he cares deeply for them. And they're very concerned about 
what's going on with Paul. What's his situation right now? He's in prison. He's under house arrest. And there, there's been some disagreements uh, uh, from scholars on, is he in prison in Rome? Is he in prison in Ephesus? Um, but, but it actually seems to follow that he was in prison in Rome at the time. So he's writing to them from being in house arrest in Rome. Okay, and as you know, being in prison is not necessarily a wonderful thing. He's not having a good experience right now. And in this situation, his fate is uncertain. What's going to happen? But as we look at the text, and, and this is kind of where we come to that, that word refreshed, that in the midst of a situation, and how many of you know you can be in the midst of a terrible situation but still be refreshed? A renewed perspective of the situation. As I mentioned with Dr. King, this is where Paul is. He's in prison, but we get the sense that he is refreshed from this beautiful fellowship that he has with this church. And he loves this church deeply. If I go back up to the verses, I mean, he opens this up in typical Paul, uh, typical Paul fashion where he's acknowledging to all God's holy people. So, so don't take this, his greetings uh, uh, lightly. Uh, that these are the saints, these are fellow believers. And so he, he's acknowledging their sincere faith and asking for God's grace and peace to be upon them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 3 he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Or actually the translation would be, uh, I thank my God in every remembrance of you. In other words, they are all in his soul, and he just loved this church. This beautiful fellowship he has with them while he's in chains. And can you reflect on a time when you've been in a difficult situation, but there was something about the fellowship of God's people that still seemed to refresh you? It didn't solve the situation, but you were still refreshed. Maybe given a little bit more strength to continue a little bit longer. So in all of my remembrance of you, I pray, verse 4, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. He's in prison, but still experiencing a wonderful moment, thinking and reflecting on this church. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, y'all have always been riding with me from day one. See, I don't know if you've got people in your life like that that you can point to like, man, you just, hell and high water, they've just been there. That's what he's feeling right now. And so I don't want to skip too uh, quickly over this because you need to feel where he is right now. Yes, he's in prison. He's in a difficult situation, but yet refreshed. Your partnership in the gospel, you're serving alongside of me, witnessing of Christ. Verse 6, being confident of this, 
that he, Christ, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion and to the day of Christ Jesus. There's something about that fellowship. We are united together in Christ. And so that's one as we talk about this new year. If you've not experienced that, that may be a good starting place for you, is leaning into the fellowship of the saints. Yes, I know, it can be challenging. We're imperfect people and so are you. But there's still something beautiful about recognizing this family joined by Christ and what he's done. And to know that I've got people who've got my back. We haven't always felt that. <laughs> it's not always easy. But this is the heart. What I love about this letter, too, that, you know, Paul doesn't really rip into this church like he does other churches. I mean, it seems like, I don't know what it is, but it seems like this church just seemed to get it. You know, they just seemed to, they just got it. You know, not that they were perfect, but they seemed to be right on board. He goes on in verse 7. He said, listen, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. And now you begin to see Paul in his posture, his focus, that no matter what state I'm in, whether in chains or defending the gospel, this fellowship is dear to me. Verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And what you're hearing is, is Paul is being refreshed by them, but he's also refreshing them. Mind you, they're dealing with surrounding challenges. They're dealing with hard times, and if they haven't started facing persecution, they're about to. But what is the focus that he gives them? That you will abound in the things of God that you will abound in the knowledge of Christ, discerning and abounding in his love, discerning what is best and being blameless for Christ. Hear the foundation that's being laid because it's important for us to keep this in mind as life begins to life, as life happens. Where's your foundation? filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now get this, verse 12. I want you to know, mind you, they're concerned about his chains. He's in prison. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. We have a shift in an understanding a refocus, if you will, a hard situation 
but yet a good one. And this brings up a question for us this morning. But let me get to the question first. That refocusing. How might God be using challenging circumstances for his glory in your life? How might God be trying to refocus how we see a situation that we might be in? And like I said before, it could be something that you've left and move on and it's a new reality. Praise God for that. But you also might still be in the midst of it. But how might God be using that circumstance? You may not be able to see it now, but what I'm challenging us to do this morning as we talk about refocusing, I need you to start looking for it. What might God be saying in this challenging moment? What might God be trying to draw out of me in this dark time? Yesterday marked six years to the day that my dad passed away, and I've had similar moments. And in recent years, being able to see, and I will say it took years to see, how God has used this, losing my father, to build something in me, pull something out of me that was there, but may not have come out if he were still here. Now, I don't know your situation, but that was my situation. And I, years later, I can say that. I couldn't say that when it happened. But I can look back now and say, while I miss my dad and still grieve him, but losing him, there were things God started to work out of me. And, and now that he's gone, I ask myself, would I, would I have been able to realize that if he were still here? Because my dad was my go-to. He was my guy. He was the, he, with all the troubles in the world, he's the one I'm on the phone talking to. And so it, it hurts to not have him. But God started doing something in me. I need you to see what I've invested in you. And so you hear that in Paul's language. This has actually turned out for the furthering of the gospel hard situation. But this is what drives Paul. It's the advancement of the kingdom of God. And if I go back up to that verse, uh, let's see. Sorry, y'all. Thank you. So what has happened to him has come to serve the gospel. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's in prison, but yet the gospel is spreading even in among the palace, Caesar's household. He addresses that later. Folks in Caesar's household coming to faith. So he's in prison, but yet the gospel is being spread. Get this. Verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters, get this, have become confident in the Lord 
and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. That because I am in a difficult situation, yet Christ is being glorified even more. Because it's motivating fellow believers to get up and do something. It's motivating others to get off their butts and get in the game. As I look, about, look at this new year, not knowing what is to come, I want us to take these words of reset, refresh, refocus. As I mentioned before, it's coming back to this sound, firm foundation of what really matters. And for Paul, and just like Dr. King, when he was at that moment, I'm not worried about what happens to me. The mission still continues. It's the same here as Paul saying the gospel's being preached. In verse 15, he says, listen, it's true. There are some who preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Remember, he had opponents, unfortunately, in the church. Maybe some who wanted to show him up. But Paul chooses not to even focus on his haters. He said, listen, even if they're preaching Christ with the wrong motives, listen, I'm not, I'm not even going to pay any of mind to them. I'm focused on the, on the fact that Christ is being preached. That's his goal. That's what I care about. Here's a man in prison not knowing if he's going to live or die but yet press between the two. And even if they preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, Christ is preached. And I rejoice. He rejoices. He's refreshed in a bad situation still. I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice that this is going to turn out for my deliverance. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Get this, whether by life or by death. His posture isn't based on the circumstances, y'all. He gets to a point, what's his mission? Christ is going to be glorified, whether I live or I die. Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that is a question for you and I, is our life consumed by Christ? Is Jesus the foundation for our lives, or is he just an addendum, an attachment? Are we visiting with Jesus in our everyday lives, or are we truly resting in him? For Paul, there was no question to live is Christ. He's the same one in Galatians 2.20, 
that said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And is that our testimony, church? Does Jesus define our lives? Or is it just my ethnicity or where I live or how much money I make or who I know? And Paul repeats this later, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because he talks more about some of these points I just mentioned. Christ is my life. Let me get to this question down here. And that is a question for us. Are our lives consumed by Christ. And if they're not, if we're recognizing they're not, this is why we're talking about a reset, refresh, and a refocus. You could be off track this morning, but there's good news. The Savior is calling you back on track. You can get back on track this morning. So you might be sitting here recognizing, I haven't been where I need to be. Christ has not been my foundation This is why we're talking about a reset. It's coming back to this solid foundation. Can we do that this morning? It's causing us to evaluate why you are here. And I don't just mean in this building. Why are you on this planet? Why do you wake up every morning? What gets you going every morning? I'm challenging us this morning to reevaluate what is driving us every day. Is it just my career or is it Christ? For Paul, what do we hear time and time again? It's Christ. Yes, you have your career. Go to work. Amen. But what's ultimate? What's ultimate? Meaning, can you look at your career that you love and say, you know, whether I have this career or not, (laughs) I'm founded on Jesus. If I lose this job tomorrow, I'm founded in Christ. If something happens to my health tomorrow, I'm founded on Christ. Can we look at the new year and say, whatever happens, good or bad, what's my focus, Jesus? I remember what he did did for me 2,000 years ago. His blood still speaks today. His resurrection still speaks today. Examine why you're here. What is your foundation? Now, understand looking at these stories like Dr. King, who was facing threats and facing imminent death, and Paul here, who's also facing death. He doesn't know what is going to happen. And so we may not be in a situation where we are facing imminent death, although we don't know what tomorrow brings, which is why we need to be in Christ. Tomorrow is never promised. But there are those, brothers and sisters, there are those around the world, uh, Teresa just mentioned that, that are facing imminent death. So we may not have that right now. We're not in that. But all the more still, 
Are we willing to be identified with Jesus? I mean publicly. Or do you hide your Christian faith? Maybe the reset for some of us is to get over the fear of certain people finding out that you're a Christian. Maybe it's getting over the fear. What are they going to think of me if they find out? And I know there are different groups. There are people who've been disgruntled by the church and, you know, uh, uh, have, have a bad taste in their mouth because of the church, been hurt by the church. And so I understand some of us are concerned. I don't want to be identified like that. But I'm just going to ask you to do a hard reset right now. Don't worry about the outcome. That's not on you to deal with. God has to deal with people's hearts. But can you overcome that fear in whatever circles you're in and get planted on that foundation that Christ is my life? And I don't care if people have a problem with that. I'm challenging us to get to the point where we don't care what people think about me. I don't care what you think about my commitment to Jesus. Because Paul doesn't at this moment. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. (laughs) He says, God doesn't have uh, secret Christians or, or covert operatives. CIA Christians, neatly hidden. But that reset, that refresh, that refocus is to say that Jesus is my life. So here's what it can look like practically, maybe for some of you in circles you are in. You need to start talking about Jesus. Yes, even among those friends who you know have certain feelings about Christians or even the faith. Some of you are in uh, circumstances or environments where it's about intellect and all of this, and you know they'll mock you for saying you believe in God. I need you to get over that fear and recognize this is the Savior who died for me, and I'm going to represent him everywhere. Now, don't get goofy with it. Because I can imagine somebody right now going to work this week, saying, all right, I have an announcement. I'm a follower of Jesus, and some things are going to change around here. Listen, when you are unemployed, I will pray for you. Amen. Don't get goofy with it. That's That's not the point. But maybe it's as simple as this, around the water cooler, wherever you are, and there's conversation just about, what did you do this weekend? Oh, yeah, Saturday, with family, we did this. And, you know, Sunday, yeah, we went to church as we usually do. Like, yeah, what'd you do? Just matter of fact, people have no problem talking about their lives. You shouldn't either. And the fear that they might ask, well, what if they ask me? I don't want to. Get over that. I'm delighted to share. You have a question about faith? You're a Christian? 
I am. You want to know more? Just a small way. And we'll talk more about this. But that's where we are coming into this new year. That reset, that fresh new perspective. And maybe you're already there. That refresh is just also refortifying where you are. Uh, as Paul does this, he reminds people again and again. Let me remind you of this. You already know it, so I know you know it. But let me just strengthen this. Because adversity is going to come. He says to this church later, listen, you've been called to suffer for Christ. And persecution's coming. But keep abounding in his love. Opposition will come to knock you off course, to challenge your faith in Christ. It's going to come. But I'm challenging y'all right now, get an attitude about this. Sometimes you need to get mean with this. Sometimes it's just, this is what I'm about. And whatever happens, I'm about Christ. I mentioned that song earlier. You got to take that and do battle with it. Challenges are going to come. You need to be willing to say, and I'm going to meet you at the door. But I don't meet you alone. Yeah. I'm standing on a sure foundation, which is Christ. Not my own strength, y'all. Can't do it in your own strength. You've tried that. Doesn't work. That solid foundation. Cece, you can come on up. You know, as we continue this series, I'm really asking that the Lord would give us a new perspective to remind us why we're here, to remind us of what Christ has done. And as we meditate on this throughout the weeks, that you begin to look in your own personal lives for where Christ might be calling you to a reset. There can be certain areas of your life, whether they're unsurrendered, God is calling you to a reset and a refresh. Maybe challenging times that have knocked you off-centered, and God is saying, I need you to get refocused on me. Just like Paul, who's rooted in Christ, that we can be like him to say, whether I live or die, my life is consumed by Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Lord, we go into a new year, not seeing everything there is to come, but we do know one thing for sure, that you are the firm foundation that we stand on. 
And if, Lord, if we look back over this past year, if we recognize that you have not been that solid foundation. Refresh our perspective. Back to being founded on you and what you've done. Back to remembering that it is you who guide us. You are our lives. I pray for your people here who may have fear about the future. Remind them, Lord, that the future is not in their hands, but it's in yours. So we refocus today and set our attention on you. And that you will use us for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.